I felt like I should scream too. So I was like, ow! Yeah, so it's good to be here. Um, my name is Marcus Corpening. If you do not know who I am, I'm the media pastor here at New Philadelphia Church. And I'm also the campus pastor at Itaewon. And so that's probably why you have not seen me. If you're like, who is this guy who just randomly walks up? But uh, yeah, man, Hillside. Man, Hillside's, Hillside, you guys are beautiful. You guys have a lot less black people. But you guys are beautiful. Just kidding. Also want to send a quick shout out to my mom. Hey, mom, I'm on TV. Your son's doing it big. And uh, Diddy, Diddy told me beforehand, he said he was going to be filming it. And I was like, oh, well, I got to take advantage of that. If you guys are ready to receive the word, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Come on, you guys are ready. I like that. Everyone, just open up your Bibles right now to the book of John, chapter 17. We're going to read from verses 1 to 8. Actually, Myungwon, can you cut that off? You there? Say amen. amen. All right, so you guys read the first verse. I'll read the second, and then we'll read the last verse all together, all right? Uh, John 17, 1 to 8. 1, 2, 3, she jack. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. And all together, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Amen. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to say a word of prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this house. I thank you, Father, for the sons and daughters in this house. And, Father, I pray, God, that as the word goes out, it would be spirit in life. I pray, God, that today you would activate something in each one of us, Lord, that has laid dormant for way too long, God. Father, we pray right now, Lord, just that your spirit, your presence, God, would reside over each one of us, Lord. We bind the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So the title of this message today... It's called Just Do It. Just do it. Everyone say it. Turn to your neighbor and say, just do it. Just do it. Tell them with some confidence. Say, just do it. <laughs> what am I talking about? I'm not just talking about going out and doing anything. Today, I want to talk to you about Creativity. Today, I want to talk to you about going and stepping outside of yourself and doing something new. 
I want to talk to you today about being creative because each and every one of us are meant to be creative. It's not for the person who has who's just like sits at home and draws all the time or makes music and likes to paint. You know, a lot of times we say, oh, you know, that person's creative. But me, I'm, I'm not creative. No one's made me creative. Eeyore. You know, there's a lie that's went out in the body of Christ that only a few of us are meant to be creative. That only a few of us are meant to step outside of ourselves and do something new. That's a deception. That's lies that the enemy has put in some of us in the body of Christ. I don't believe it. Do you? We're meant to be creative. You know, creativity, if you look it up, it means to be creative. And if you look up the definition of or to create, and if you look up the definition of create, you know, it actually quotes Genesis chapter one, verse one in Webster, in the dictionary. And creativity, what it means, I'm going to redefine creativity for you today. Creativity is the administration of the word into existence by the power of the Holy Spirit. Creativity, I'm going to say it one more time, is the administration of the word into existence by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see that biblically. We see that in Genesis chapter one, right? The earth was formless and void. The spirit was hovering and God spoke. Let there be light. And what happened? Oh, my goodness. You guys don't know. He said, let there be light. And there was. Oh, my goodness. You guys need to read your Bibles. It's chapter one of Genesis. It's the first book. First book. First book. God spoke out the word and the word with the spirit came together and it created something new. We see this in John chapter one with Jesus, Jesus, the word became flesh. Right. But how did the word become flesh? It says actually that the Holy Spirit was the one that impregnated Mary, that the spirit and the word came together to bring forth Jesus himself. You know, in Jesus's life, everywhere he went, everything he did, Jesus was doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. But he wasn't just doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was doing it in unison With the words that had already been spoken about him. Jesus took every word that every prophet, that every teacher, every event that had ever been written down. In the Old Testament, in in the tradition before, Jesus took all of those words and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he went out and did it. Do you know that? It talked about Jesus being someone that healed. Jesus being someone who would set the captive free. And then when Jesus walked the earth, what did he do? He healed. He set the captive free. He created those words, the word that was given. He took that and he administrated it into the earth. He created it everywhere he went. You know, you and I, we have a rich inheritance. We have a rich inheritance and we know the inheritance is the word that has been passed down to us. But that inheritance is not something for you to just sit and say, mm, that's a good word. Mm, that's good. Mm, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I received that. Amen. And then you go home and nothing changes. You better do something with that girl. It's not your inheritance is not just something that you're meant to listen to over and over on a podcast. Your inheritance is something that you are meant to take 
And you are meant to administrate, to create into your very life by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not just supposed to hear your inheritance. You're supposed to experience your inheritance. Everywhere that you go should change because of the inheritance that you receive. When you read the word of God, it's not supposed to be just, oh, this is just some good. Oh, these are some really good words. Yeah, man, I'm more than a conqueror. Mm, That's a good word. I'm so scared right now. Pray for me. Please pray for me. No, you're supposed to take that word. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are supposed to administrate it into your life. God won't do it for you. If you won't take that word and by the power of the spirit, administrate it, create it, call it into being in your life, it won't happen. That's the mandate that God has given you. That's what he's called us to, to be creative in every area of our life. Like I said, we have a rich inheritance, right? Father, the fatherless. We say, "Mm, that's a good word. And then we go into our, our, our hogwans, we go into our schools, and we've got these fatherless kids, and we're like, be quiet, shut up. Man, I hate working here, man. <laughs> these kids get on my nerves. <laughs> Matt, you're laughing a lot right now. God meant for you to take that word and administrate it where you, where you work. Freedom is for everyone. Why do we only pray for it for the people who are in human trafficking? What about the person who sits next to you that's in bondage? Are you taking that word and creating it everywhere you go? What about the, the prophetic words that you've received? Many times we misunderstand prophecy. We think that prophecy is a word for far away. One day. One day God's going to, he's going to take me there. But prophecy in the Bible was never like that. It was always a near word and a far word. That's why you can read a prophetic word in the Old Testament and receive it for yourself now. But why is it that when someone speaks a prophetic word over you, you only receive it for later and not for now? You know, in the Bible, we see some, we see other people, not just Jesus, who takes the word and creates it everywhere they go. I've already preached about this once, but I got to say it again because some people weren't getting it. Joseph. Joseph had a dream. What was the dream that Joseph had? Joseph had a dream that he was going to be the one who stood tall while the rest bowed. And Joseph, he, he took that as him and his brothers. They all took that as a very, very close word. He tells his brothers and they're like, Joseph, you you're shut up. Joseph thought that it meant just him and his brothers. And it was, it was a far word for something to happen later on. Right. But when you look at the life of Joseph, Joseph took that word and he administrated it. He created it everywhere that he went. When Joseph was in Potiphar's house, it says that Joseph was the chief among all the servants. That Joseph stood tall and everyone else bowed to Joseph. Joseph administrated that upon everyone in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife got a little crazy. Joseph went to prison. What did Joseph do in prison? It says that he was second 
to the warden. Meaning that that word, Joseph didn't just say, oh, one day God's going to, he's going to fulfill it. He's going to take me there. Yes. No. Joseph knew that he was supposed to take that word and it was supposed to manifest in everything that he did. It's supposed to manifest in everything that you do. That's what being creative is about. That's creativity. You want to be a songwriter. You want to make music. You want to be an educator. You want to be a CEO. Take your inheritance and administrate it there. It's been given to you for you to take it there. Not just for you to go and say, here, I want to give you another good teaching. Here, did you get this message? Here, I'm going to give you this podcast. I just multiplied it. Thank you, Jesus. That's not what it's about. It's about you showing it, creating it. You know, I think about, I think about other houses that are known to be very creative, right? I think of, I don't, I don't know why that was funny, but that was funny. (laughs) I think about, I think about, you know, I talk to people sometimes and they're like, man, why can't we make stuff like Jesus culture? Jesus culture, man, they make such cool stuff. They're so cool, man. They're so awesome. You know, Hillsong, they do such amazing stuff. But when I listen to their songs, when I watch the things that they're doing, you know what they're doing? They're just taking the inheritance of their house and just administrating it in everything they do. When they, when they make a song, you know what they're doing? Those songs are about the things that are happening in their house. The things that are being taught unto them, the inheritance that's being given unto them. But it's not just for them. Because other people who are gifted in other ways are taking that word and they're administrating it in the place that God has gifted them. That's what God wants you to do. Yeah, you know, God wants you to create. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you three keys to creativity. Wow, I shake a lot. Got that on video. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) I said that creativity was the administration of the word, the administration of your inheritance into existence by the power of the spirit. Right. So the first key that you have to learn, the first key that you have to get For creativity is that you need to get your inheritance. You know, if you try to go out and create without your inheritance, you're going to draw from some source. But if it's not from the word, if it's not from your inheritance, you're going to draw from yourself. You're going to draw from your soul. You're going to draw from your flesh or you're going to draw from the world. For some reason, every song that I listen to in the world, it all sounds the same. But for some reason, we keep thinking that it's hot and it's fresh and it's new. Like every song's about some dude breaking up with his girlfriend. (laughs) Or every song's about someone sleeping around and getting drunk. Or every song is about just the oppression of their soul. The longings of their soul. The desires of their flesh. And that's because they don't have an inheritance. But when you draw from your inheritance, you know what? You're bringing words of life. But you got to get 
your inheritance. You've got to get in the house and you've got to begin to serve. You've got to begin to sit under that inheritance and you've really got to get it. You've got to learn submission. You've got to learn obedience. You know, many times we misunderstand our inheritance. We misunderstand what it's even for. You know, I'm going to use an analogy for you right now. Bowling. All right. Follow me. I really suck at bowling. Like, let me just be real. Like. (sighs) The lowest score I ever got was like a 39. Hey, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Now, all the guys, all, all the guys are like, hey, don't judge me, fellas. Don't judge me. We get out on the basketball court. <laughs> bowling, right? You know, one time I went to the bowling alley and, you know, when the lanes closed, the, uh, the bar is in front of the pins. And it was one of my first couple times, and I didn't know what was going on. So I just, uh, I just threw the ball on down. And then it hit the bar, and then it just, and I was like, dang, I didn't hit any pins. And they're like, it's because the bar's there, stupid. (laughs) You know, many times we think that submission and obedience is like the bar in front of the pins. We're trying to throw a ball. We're trying to reach a certain point. But man. We always feel like, man, if I submit to this person, they're blocking me from my destiny. If I submit to Pastor Christian, if I if I submit to what he's asking me to do, I'm trying to hit those pins, Pastor Christian. Pastor, I'm trying to hit those pins, but you keep blocking me. You keep asking me to submit. You keep asking me to to obey. You keep asking me to just stay and receive my inheritance. But I'm trying to get there. Don't you know what God's called me to? Don't you know my dreams? But I want you to know that submission and obedience is not the bar that keeps you from the pins. It's the guardrails that keep you from the gutter. See, what you need to understand about, we think that our inheritance and the submission and obedience is keeping us from our destiny. But actually what it's doing is keeping us from the pitfalls that would keep us from our destiny. You know, when I discovered guardrails, I felt like I got set free. I wasn't even Christian then, but I was like, I had a deliverance going on. I was just like, yes, thank you, thank you. I pulled out the guardrails, and then I was like bowling all day, you know. I was like getting strikes. I was like throwing it any way I wanted to, you know what I'm saying? I blocked that. I blocked that with the podium. My mom's not going to see that. (laughs) You know, see, here's the thing. Follow me. When you're bowling, you can throw the ball any way, right? And you'll hit the guardrails, but you'll always keep moving forward. You'll, you'll hit at least one pin. <laughs> you know, when you are submitted in obedience and you're walking in the inheritance, you'll always at least hit one pin. But you'll never fall into the gutter. You're always safe. Always. But some people, they come to me and they're like, I've heard some stupid stuff. They're like, they come to me and they're like, but I feel like, I feel like my wings are being clipped. 
I've got these dreams. I've got, but they keep asking me to submit. I feel like I can't fly. I'm like, you are not a bird. <laughs> you know, but, but follow me. Even birds. Let's talk about birds since, since some of you want to be birds and you want to talk about flying, you know, baby birds, when they're young, they never leave the nest. If they tried to get out of the nest, they would fall like 30 feet and die. No, they stay in the nest until they're strong enough to fly. And then, and then they don't even, they don't even feed themselves. The mother bird (laughs) comes to them and she feeds them what she has eaten. She regurgitates it to them. See, your inheritance. Some people, they're like, man, Pastor Christian, he's just telling me what Pastor Benjamin said. (laughs) No, he's not. What he's doing is he's giving you your inheritance. The things that he's already eaten, the things he's already chewed on, the things that he has already processed, he's giving unto you until you're strong enough to fly on your own strength. You know, bowling, right? Got the guardrails. Eventually, what happens is the guardrails begin to change you. You used to throw the ball like this. And trust me, this is the way I used to throw it. I used to just like throw it like that. And it would always go straight into the gutter. And I I was so confused. And all my boys were just laughing at me. What's wrong with you? Just throw it straight. I'm like, I am throwing it straight. (laughs) But eventually, in the beginning, you're hitting all the guardrails. But after a while, you're, you're hitting them less and less. And you're hitting more pins. And it's because... The guardrails have begun to change you and you begin to get something known as muscle memory. See, what the inheritance does is over time, it begins to change you. You begin to sit under the word. You begin to stay in the nest. You begin to continue to receive it and be strengthened. And after a while, it begins to change you to a degree in which you don't even need the guardrails anymore. You'll bowl straight every time because it has begun to change you. You know, even Jesus had to abide by this principle. Young Jesus had to abide by it. We think, oh, Jesus was special. Jesus didn't have to do that. You know, it talks about where there's this moment where Mary and Joseph, they lose Jesus. I don't know how you end up losing the son of God. (laughs) But they end up losing track. I would have put a picture of Jesus like on every milk carton, every donkey, like everything. Have you seen the son of God? I have lost him. I would have had like a nervous breakdown. You imagine that? Like, you know, he's the savior of the universe and you lost him. Well, where's my baby? Jesus. I'm a little animated sometimes. Where do they find Jesus? They find him in the temple. He's receiving the word and then he's speaking it back. Receiving it, speaking it back, receiving it, speaking it back. And Mary comes to him and says, Jesus, we've been looking for you. He's like, woman, didn't you know? <laughs> I mean, I say that, you no, know, Jesus didn't have like submission to authority issues or anything, but 
Woman, didn't you know? He's supposed to be in the father's house. So he could receive it. And Jesus stayed in the father's house for 30 years. And then he received the power of the spirit. And then he went out and administrated the words he had received. You've got to get your inheritance. You know, one lie that we end up believing. Another a deception that we, we believe in terms of our inheritance. And oh, for some reason, I keep going back to this bowling analogy. Maybe you guys are going to want to go bowling after this. Maybe not. If you're like me, just use the guardrails. But we think that every time we end up hitting, you know, our inheritance, every time we begin to hit a guardrail, it's failure. You know, I did. I, I threw it the wrong. I went the wrong direction. And Pastor Christian, I had to talk to Pastor Christian. I, I went this way and my small group leader had to rebuke me or I went. I did this. And, and man, I just feel like such a failure. But the thing about it is, is it's never failure. Because you never fell into the gutter. You know, when you throw a bowling ball down the lane with the guardrails, it doesn't matter how many times you, every time you hit the guardrail, it never pushes you backwards. It always pushes you forward. And it always pushes you forward in the direction of the pins. Every time that you come up to Pastor Christian or any time you come up to the spiritual mother and father of this house, or you begin to recognize that there's areas in your life that don't maybe mesh well with the inheritance. It's so easy to get down on yourself and say, man, I'm a failure, man. I keep doing this, man. I keep, but if you'll just continue to come, they'll continue to just bounce you right back towards your destiny. You got to understand that. Some sons get deceived into thinking that they only need to be in the house once and then they've got it. It's like I watch someone bowl and uh, I'll use the guardrails once and I got it. That's stupidity. You have to stay and get it and let it change you. You know, some people, they say, well, I got it. I saw I, I discern what's going on in this house. I, I understand what you guys are talking about. I got the inheritance. I don't need it. Sure. Sure. You can do your own thing, but you'll get more gutters than you will pins. You'll get a strike every now and then you go your own way. You'll get your, you'll get a strike every now and then. But most of the time, you're going to fall into the gutter. That's why you've got to get your inheritance. The inheritance is not meant to be your ceiling. It's meant to be your floor. You've got to understand that Pastor Daniels, Pastor Benjamin, Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron, they're not your ceiling. They're your floor. We look up to them. We honor them. But even they want to propel you beyond where they are. Too many of us in the church have looked at the pastor, look at the set man and woman of God and said, man, if I could only be like them. You are like them. You're their son. You're their daughter. You're meant to take it even further. You know, the deception that hit Adam and Eve was that Eden was was the best that God could do. Eden was their inheritance. You know, God had created Eden. He gave them their inheritance before they were born. 
And then he set them in Eden. And Satan come along, came along and he's pretty much like, you know what? This is the best that God can do for you. He's, he's giving you Eden. He's giving you all of this, but he didn't give you the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eden's the best that can happen for you. Many times we think that our inheritance, that what we see other people do is the best. I'll never be like them. I'll never ascend to that place. But when you do that, that's deception that's trying to get you to step out of your inheritance. You know, Eden wasn't the best that God had for Adam and Eve. You know, many of us in the body of Christ, we're like, we just want to get back to Eden. If we can just get back to Eden, everything would be straight. If we could just get back to that point. You know what I'm saying? So many of us, we read Genesis 1 and we're like, man, things were really good then. Why did Adam and Eve have to jack things up? Man, now we got to work all day to get back to that place. But Eden was meant to be their starting point, not their finishing point. See, if Eden was meant to be their finishing point, God would have never told them to take dominion. God would have never told them to be fruitful and multiply. God would have never told them to fill the earth and subdue it. He would have just said, here's Eden. Be happy with it. No, but he created paradise. And then he said, you know what? I want you to take this and I want you to take it everywhere you go. I want you to increase it. Jesus said the same thing. He said, he that believes in me, he will not only do the works that I have been doing, but he will go on to do what? Greater things. Everyone say greater things. things. You got to get your inheritance to go out and do greater things. Amen. You know, the second thing is that once you get your inheritance, you got to get over the pitfalls. And there's two pitfalls that that plague us the most. And the first is fear. For many of us, we're sitting in the house. We're here all the time. You've been here longer than I have. And I've been here for a while. How long have I been here now? Like four, five years, five years. Thanks, Matt. Five years. You sat in the house, you got the teaching, you got the inheritance. But for some reason, it's not manifesting in your life. And it's because you're afraid. You're afraid to take that step of faith and really administrate that in your life. Really begin to do what's necessary to see it and be created in your life. You know, when fear comes, the lie that fear brings is that you need to work to be safe. You know, I'm sitting here, I'm receiving this, but I still don't feel safe yet. And you begin to work and work and work and work just so you can feel safe again. And every message that you receive, every prayer that you receive, you interpret it as, yes, okay, now I'm starting to feel safe again. But that's not how the kingdom works. See, the way the kingdom works is that you start with safety. That the first thing that God tells you is that you're safe. That the inheritance itself, when you receive it, it makes you safe immediately. When you submit yourself in this house, you are safe. The kingdom starts with safety and then it says you work to take risks. What kind of risks are you guys taking? Or are we bound by fear? 
You know the teaching. You know the principles. You know that these are things that the earth needs. But yet, you're afraid to step out and take risks. See, God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power, love, and of sound mind. Amen? Amen. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, he wasn't afraid to take risks. He knew that he was safe in everything that he did. He knew that he was fully accepted, fully loved, fully covered. Because God started from that point. He said, this is my beloved son whom I love. I'm well pleased with him. My favor rests upon him. And God says to you, you don't have to be afraid because I'm well pleased with you. I start with safety. Now take some risks. The second pitfall is selfishness. It's Black History Month. So I'm going to use a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. It's Jr. (laughs) He said, he said it like this. He said, every man must decide. Whether he will walk in the light of creative altruism. That means to do something for a greater good for someone else, not yourself. Or in destructive selfishness. You know, you can get your inheritance. You can maybe not even have any fear. But if you're selfish, it won't matter. Yes, I'm... I'm, I'm set free. I'm healed and delivered. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm anointed. Like John Michael, he gave us like that list of like 78 identities, right? (laughs) It's like, we got this list that's circulating in the church. It's like 70. It's like, I don't know how many identities it is now, but it's identities that are in the Bible that we claim for ourselves. And it's like, I am more than a conqueror. I'm a new creation. I'm anointed and sealed by the Holy Spirit. I am royalty. I am fearless. I am untouchable. And many times, you know what we we end up doing in the churches? We end up taking those words and using it for our own healing. And then it's always just about our own healing. And so I'll take, I'm more than a conqueror and I'm going to write it on my Facebook wall. I'm more than a conqueror. You know who I am? I'm more than a conqueror. I'm fearless. I'm bold. I'm bold as a lion. You know, I'm bold as a lion. You know who I am? (laughs) But identity is not about you. Sonship is not about you. The inheritance is not about you. It's about you in the beginning. In the beginning. But from that place, it's not about you anymore. It's about someone else. The anointing is not about you. You receive it first. You get rocked. You're on the floor. You're shaking. Boom. It's about you in that moment. But after that point, it's not about you anymore. You know, we think that the identity is about my identity in me. God, tell me who I am. God, show me who I am. I am more than a conqueror. I'll take my inheritance to show me who I am. Pastor Daniels, tell me who I am. Pastor Benjamin, tell me who I am. Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron, tell me who I am. Tell me about my identity. But it's not about your identity. It's about your identity in Christ. It's about Christ. See, self-esteem is overrated. 
I'm tired of believers coming into the church looking to just touch their own self-esteem. I read a study that said that people with high self-esteem but no desire to touch other people become bullies. When we come into the church and it's all about our self, self-esteem, self-esteem is overrated. What we need is God esteem. We need Christ esteem. It's not about who you are. It's about who you are in Christ. Because see, when you, when it's all about you, you will only do enough to protect yourself. You'll do just enough. Just enough to reach your goal. Just enough to reach your plateau. Just enough so that you can feel good about you. But the world does not need any more people who care about esteeming themselves. The world has more than enough of those. See, what the world needs is people who have these teachings, who have been transformed. And then they don't just care about themselves anymore. They care about the person next to you. You know, caring about someone else next to you will cause you to do more than what you would do for yourself. You know, I'm not really willing to be shot by anyone. I don't want to be shot. Follow my example. But if I know that if I have to take a bullet so that my mother and my brother and sister will live, I'll take it. If I have to sacrifice, if I have to lay my life down for someone else so that they will live, I'll do it. And I don't have to worry about me anymore because I know that I'm healed. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm blessed. Therefore, I'm willing to take that risk to lay down my life for someone else. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this. And he who would lay down his life for his friends. You want to be creative? You want to step outside and do amazing things? Don't make it about you anymore. The things that you've been wanting to do. The block has not been the world. It's been you. What you wanted to do for you. But if it's for someone else, you'll pay any price. You'll go as far as you need to go. If it's for the youth of Korea, you'll do everything that you need to do. If it's for the people of North Korea, you'll pay any price because it's not about you. Those are people that God says, I can trust with my, my spirit. I can trust with my gifts. I can trust with my presence. And the third key. The third key is that you just got to do it. Everyone say, just do it. You've got over, you've got your inheritance. You've gotten over fear and selfishness. Now you just need to do something. You just need to go out and do something. And there's two ways that you do this. The first way is that you ask God for even greater revelation of your inheritance. Jesus knew his inheritance. He knew it so much. He had such a great revelation of it that he walked in it naturally. And you got to ask for more of his spirit. 
I preached at Itaewon last Sunday, and God showed up powerfully. We, people had, like, gold dust in their hands and, like, having all these crazy visions of going up to heaven with Jesus and then coming back down into the earth and punching Satan and then coming back up and, like, <laughs> kicking down red light district doors. And, and apparently Jesus was, like, mad athletic and, and really fast. <laughs> and... And we had people that were just getting wrecked, like God was taking them places and God was releasing such dreams and visions. And he was breaking through those paradigms, breaking through those things that had been holding them down. And, you know, in Exodus, in Exodus 33, God calls the people to go into the promised land. But he says that he won't go. He said, I'll take you into my promises, but I'm not going to go with you. But Moses said to God, he said, God. If you don't go with me, if your presence doesn't come with me, if we're not carrying your presence, we don't want to go. Because how will they know that your favor is upon us? How will they know? It's not about it's not about Moses. It's about them. How will they know? That you have set this people apart. The thing that makes you distinct is his presence. The thing that is going to set you apart is his presence. So you got to cry out for more of his presence. You can't be satisfied with what you got last week. You got to cry out for more each and every day. And then the second thing is that you need to take some small steps towards the goal. I'll get real practical with you. You feel like God's calling you to write songs. Write a song. At least write a verse. (laughs) At least write a line. Start it at least. Just do it. You know what? See, in the beginning, you're taking little small steps. And those little small steps seem really insignificant. But when it's when God's spirit comes and God begins to take you up higher. Those small steps have even greater significance later. It's like those guys that went to the moon, right? It's like one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. You're up on you're up at a higher level. So now when you take small steps. It's like a giant leap for everyone else. When you begin to take those small steps right now, while you're just just learning, just growing. Eventually, God will take you higher and higher and higher. And then when you're at that high place, you're still taking small steps. To you, it's, it's, it's still a small step. But to everyone else, they're like. Dang, son, that's crazy. How did you even think of that? It's because you were willing to just take that small step in the beginning to administrate his word into existence. Amen. I want us to go into a time of prayer right now.